Welcome to Banyan Books, Branches of Wisdom. Celebrating the joy of bright ideas and heartful lifelong learning. Branches of Wisdom is a series of intimate conversations with the world's most influential authors and visionaries. We explore spirituality and the human mind, ecology and culture. Most episodes are recorded with a live audience. You can join our live events and submit questions to your favorite guests. Check out our upcoming schedule at banyan.com. Since 1970, Banyan Books has been a rich oasis at the crossroads of wisdom and philosophy, offering resources for humanity's evolving paths. We're a locally owned, independent bookstore in the heart of Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood. Visit us in person or shop online at banyan.com. Please subscribe follow, like, and leave your reviews for the podcast. And now, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Branches of Wisdom, the Banyan Books podcast. I'm your host, Ross McKeechee, and really excited today that we're being joined by Kendra Allen. Before we get to her formal introduction, Banyan Books acknowledges that although we have people joining us from all over the world for these events, the physical location of Banyan Books and Sound is on the traditional and unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Kendra Allen is a breakup coach, blogger, host of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast, and founder of Breakup Bestie. After going through a series of painful breakups, Kendra realized there was a huge gap online for practical and healthy breakup, heartbreak advice. In 2017, she launched her Instagram account, at your breakup bestie, and began talking with thousands of people all over the world about what struggles they were going through post breakup. After listening, researching, and pulling from personal experience, Kendra launched her blog in 2018, online courses in 2019, and her popular Heal Your Heartbreak podcast in 2020. Kendra has spoken with thousands, impacted millions through her social media, and she has personally coached hundreds of people through heartbreak. She has been featured in Cosmopolitan, New York Post, on air with Ryan Seacrest, ABC News, and dozens of popular podcasts. Today, Kendra Allen is with Banyan Books in conversation about her new book, The Breakup Workbook, Exercises and Advice to Help You Heal from Your Heartbreak and Create Your Best Life. Breakups are hard, but the good news is that there are real, tangible ways to ease the pain and help you through it. Kendra Allen's The Breakup Workbook is here to help with fun exercises like Detox Your Ex Checklist, as well as self-care practices, expert advice, and journal prompts. This workbook is the tool you need to start living your best life today. If you'd like to connect with Kendra and learn more about her courses or to read her blog and listen to her podcast, you can visit her website, which is breakupbestie.com or you can follow her on Instagram. Find her at, at yourbreakupbestie. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in a really warm welcome for Kendra Allen. Thank you so much. That was such a nice intro. Oh, thanks for being here, Kendra. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Okay, so if we can just dive right in, I, I've heard you mention in uh, that in 2013, you had to acknowledge you had a problem with drugs and alcohol, and you've been in recovery since then. And I've heard you say that for your recovery, there were all of these resources and support systems in place, but that when you were dealing with a difficult breakup, you realized that those same kinds of resources weren't as available to support you. So how did that realization lead you to where you are today? What was the path that got you into the work you're doing now? Yeah. So I, yes, I got sober in 2013. And I think the realization of 
the gap that I saw with breakups versus my sobriety happened kind of more in hindsight. I think it was more of a subconscious thing at, at the time, but I just felt like getting sober is obviously such a difficult thing to go through. And it's something that impacts so many. And there's, you know, very low success rates for people getting sober, but there were so many resources and I felt so held and supported through that process. But then when I went through a breakup, my first sober breakup, I, I felt like I had to piecemeal it all myself. And I felt like when, you know, looking back on that, I realized there has to be more for breakups. There's, there was support groups, special therapists, books, um, different music. There was so many things that were available to me with sobriety. Um, and then when you go through a breakup, you can Google it, but there's just nothing concrete and you're kind of at the liberty of your friends and what they're able to share with you. And there are times where people, especially as we get older, you're going through a breakup and you might be the only single person in your, in your support system. Um, and it doesn't feel like you can reach out to anyone or talk to anyone about it. So I just really wanted to fill that gap. Right. Okay. Now, uh, on your website, you write the following. You say, Breakup Bestie is about healing, not getting over your ex in 28 days or how to get your ex back, but about giving you practical tips, actions, and tools to be able to let go of your ex and leave with peace of mind. I'm wondering if you can clarify for us this, this aspect of what is the difference between healing and getting over an ex? Yeah, so I think... Another thing that I noticed when I started researching this space was the only thing that I really found online were these things that were get over your ex in 28 days. There was a lot of content on how to get your ex back. And I really, the, what I realized when I went through my breakup is breakups are such a tremendous opportunity to dig deeper and to reflect on your relationship patterns. I just think as humans, we're very motivated by pain points. That's the time when we're going to call a therapist. We're going to um, maybe dig into that childhood trauma that we never really dealt with. That's the time we're going to do that. So I just think breakups are this really great opportunity that we get. And so I don't want, I try not to make it about your ex and just not wanting them anymore because to get over your ex, you could just hop into a new relationship, which isn't actually healing anything. Um, and a lot of times what I've noticed is people, when they're going through breakups, they're also coming to terms with the fact that maybe they have an anxious attachment style that they finally want to address, or maybe they'll take a look at the fact and realize, okay, the last three partners I've been with were emotionally unavailable. How can I pause and take a look at that and maybe change that moving forward? So I think I I just think it's an opportunity to go deeper. I think breakups are really layered, but sometimes we just focus on how can I get over this person? And most of the time that ends up with hopping into a new relationship really fast. And then the heartbreak's just waiting for you on the other side of that. Right. I really love one of the, the phrases that you seem to really hold close is this too shall pass. Yeah. It's my How favorite. important is that? Yeah. It's like my favorite thing. I, I use it with anything that I go through. It's just, it's just such a reminder that everything is temporary. Um, I breakups are so overwhelming and they're so gut-wrenching and I know the feeling of believing that you're never going to feel anything different. So I just, this too shall pass. It's just something to hang on to, to remember, like, you're not going to feel this sad forever. You're not going to feel this heartbroken forever. Um, I always encourage people to look back on maybe if they haven't had past relationships, um, they can look back at like when they lost a job or when they lost a friend or they were just going through something really hard and then looking back and realizing like we get through, we get through hard things. Um, and it's really hard to maintain perspective when we're going through something as traumatic as a breakup. So I just love to give that perspective. Yes. It seems like a lot of the work that you do is focused on helping people broaden their perspective. Cause when I, I personally have been through breakups and sometimes you, you just feel like 
you have no control over what's happening. You can't, you, you do things you would never do in normal circumstances. Can you talk a little bit about why is it that we do these things after a breakup that we would normally have way more self-control? What's actually going on inside of us there? Yeah. So I think initially when I started breakup bestie, a lot of this was, was anecdotal, but as time has gone on, I've had the chance to interview experts in this area on my podcast. And it's just really affirmed this whole thing. But I think, first of all, I want to acknowledge that breakups are a really big deal. And I really don't think they get the credit that they deserve. Um, it's relationships are a huge aspect of your life. Um, I never think that they should be your entire life, but they are a tremendously big aspect of your life. And when you go through a breakup, especially one that you weren't necessarily, um, you didn't want and you weren't expecting it, I always say like you get broken up with on a Sunday and Monday, you have to show up to go to work. And that's like, we don't give enough credit to how emotionally dysregulating that is, um, how the rug has just been completely wiped out from underneath you. Maybe you need a new place to live. You have to split up all this stuff. There's logistics of it. It's There's just so much that goes on. So I want to acknowledge that first. And it is really easy to start believing that your whole life is over. And we forget that we have friends and family and a, you know, a job or a career that we have. We have other things outside of the breakup, but all we do is focus in on the thing that we lost. And then what's going on inside of us is love brings a lot of the same brain chemicals, dopamine, oxytocin, um, the things that we experience when, we're, when someone would were to use drugs it's the same thing. Um, and so your, your brain is used to your partner being the source of these chemicals that make your brain feel really good. And then all of a sudden that person is gone and your brain, I, I interviewed Dr. Amen and he said, your brain actually looks for your partner because they're like, I, I need more. I need more of that source. And that's why breakups, people report being in physical pain um, because it is, it's like your body is almost going through a detox similar to how you would detox a substance. Um, so that's, that can really cause us to not be of sound mind and, you know, go drive to an ex's house or call them 37 times or do things that typically we wouldn't, we wouldn't do. And we would know logically that is probably not the right thing to do, but our brains are become very obsessed. Um, I interviewed, um, the author of a book who did like all the physiological impacts of breakups. And she said that it's not uncommon to think about your ex, like 85% of your waking hours. So it's, yeah. it causes obsession, compulsion, um, all of those things. And people think they're going crazy. You're not, you're just going through heartbreak. It can make you feel crazy, but I think people get really scared that, they're always going to feel like this. And they think if this person can make me feel so out of my mind, I, I should, I must have to be with them. I think people get really focused in on, I lost my soulmate. I, I, that's the person I'm supposed to be with. Otherwise I wouldn't feel this bad if that wasn't the person I'm meant to be with, you know? Yes. And you actually use the word detoxing, detoxing from your ex. You've got the four, the four sections in this wonderful workbook. And the second is called detoxing from your ex, which is, it's just like detoxing from a substance, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think, I think it's so similar and I do think it should follow similar protocol. That's why I'm, I'm a really big proponent of the no contact rule of not reaching out to your ex. I know that this is more of a complication when you share kids with your ex or you have to have contact with them. But I always use the, um, the analogy, like someone who's in recovery from alcohol, they wouldn't you know, put wine in front of them every single day. They, there's a reason they can't have like two glasses of wine on a Friday night. It's because it sends them back into the spiral. So that's why I think if you're able to not to have any contact with your ex, because you need to give your brain the chance to adjust to this new normal. Right. Okay, so this no contact rule, I'm really curious about this, because I can really see what the benefits are. And then the sort of um, uh, 
suspicious part of my mind says, well, what about, there's a lot of people nowadays that want to have a quote unquote conscious breakup or a conscious yeah. separation. And a lot of the times that means we stay in touch with each other. We're debriefing. We're trying to help each other process. And supposedly it's supposed to help accelerate our growth, accelerate our healing towards the next relationship. How do you address that? Yeah. So I, I know this is like definitely more of a trend. I mean, not a, just a trend. It's more, it's becoming more popular of things to do. The problem that I have is I don't love that. I think sometimes in society now we believe that the mature way to handle a breakup is one where you have to remain friends with your ex and that's, and it's immature to cut them off. I don't love that because I don't want anyone because a lot of people cannot handle being friends with with an ex because they're still in love with them. I think conscious uncoupling, uncoupling can work if two people have amicably decided that the breakup needs to happen. But if one person did not want the breakup to happen, I just have a really hard time believing that you're okay with just being friends with them. I always say like, if you're friends with your ex, um, you kind of have to be okay with them telling you if they're going on a date because that's how friends act. And when I say it that way, people say, oh, I, can't, that, I, I can't even begin to imagine my ex telling me that they're going on a date. So I think if, if both people are on the same page about the breakup and you guys can do that, especially if you guys share kids and you guys can have that relationship, that's amazing. I just think that is so much more the exception than it is the rule. I think most breakups, one person really didn't want it to happen. Um, and you can't just turn your feelings off. Um, I think a lot of times people will stay friends because they're hoping that being in the picture will make their ex change their mind about wanting to get back together. And that typically does not happen. And so the person ends up hanging on to their ex for months, if not years, this can happen. This can go on for years where they just think, okay, if I just keep myself hanging to the side, they'll want to be with me someday. And that just doesn't happen usually. Okay. So what I'm hearing is it's really about, we have to be really discerning and clear with ourselves about our motivations. Yes. Right. Yeah. And being honest be with yourself. That's, I, I think that's a huge thing. If you can honestly say that you can just be friends with your ex and you have zero expectation that they're ever going to change their mind and you're not like devastated every time you leave from seeing your ex or talking to your ex. But most of the time I don't find that that's the case. Right. Okay. And does self-esteem play into that? Because I know that's a big thing that you talk about. Like, uh, maybe if I have a lower self-esteem, I'm the one who was broken up with, I'm not feeling good about myself. It might be harder for me to identify my real motivations. Yeah. And I, this is definitely a big part of my personal experience. I did not have good self-esteem for a really long time. And I would pretty much like the way I say it is I, if you liked me, I liked you kind of a thing. I just wanted to be, I just wanted validation. I wanted someone to tell me that I was good enough to, you know, want to see or want to talk to. And so I would end up in these situations where someone would tell me, you know, I can't, I can't be in a relationship with you. This, it was situationships, which was not a term when I was going through this, but now it's become a much bigger term, but I can't commit to you in a relationship, but I really like hanging out with you. And I like talking to you. And I would, I would say, yeah, that's fine. I don't, I don't need the commitment. And then I would be completely lying to myself and end up really heartbroken over it. So I think, yeah, self-esteem, if you don't believe that you deserve a full committed relationship with someone who has no doubt in their mind that they want to be with you. Um, if you don't believe that you're, you're going to end up more in these situations where you're not getting, you're not actually getting what you deserve. Right. Okay. Um, one of the things I really like, you've got all these great exercises and reflective practices. Um, one of the ones is on rebuilding self-esteem and uh, you write the following. When it, about rebuilding self-esteem, you say, know that it all comes down to seeing yourself objectively and then taking action through what I call, quote unquote, esteemable acts, esteem-able acts. What does that mean? What are esteem-able or esteem-able acts? Yeah, so um, 
that I think I always say that that was probably the most important piece of advice I've ever received. I always thought that you would just be magically struck by self-esteem someday. Like you either had it or you didn't have it. But someone told me you build self-esteem by doing esteemable acts and esteemable acts are acts that make you feel like a good person. Um, so I always say it can be anything from, you know, uh, like taking a really nice long shower where you like wash your hair and it's, it can be more of like personal care things. It can also be bringing your cart back at the, at the grocery store of just like being a good Samaritan and picking up trash. If you see it, it can be volunteering. Um, it can be organizing your closet. It can be, you know, um, remembering your friend's birthday and sending them a card. It can be anything that makes you feel like, wow, I, I'm a good person. Um, and sometimes, and I think we have to do those acts to remind ourselves, like I, I am a good person. I do have self-worth. I do have self-esteem. I treat myself the way that I want my friends to, that I treat my friends, that I treat my partners. Cause when people say like, what does self-love mean? And I just say, it's, you treat yourself like you would a partner or a friend. And so often we don't do that. Um, so what would you like to see in a partner and give that to yourself? Okay. That's great. I want to, I want to jump to, I know early in your work, you were, you were targeting your work directly to women. And it seems as though maybe now you've, op it's more open. I'm wondering if you can comment on any differences you see in how men and women experience breakups or advice you give differently for men and women, or is it the same? Yeah. So when I, I started, I, I really just said that this is for women, breakup essays for women. And I think I subscribe to some of the stereotypical differences between men and women. A lot of people will say that men get over their exes much faster and then down the road it hits them they'll say men tend to jump into new relationships quicker it doesn't affect them as much so i think i really subscribed to that but what happened as time went on is i started getting messages from men and they would say hey why is this just for women i'm going through a breakup and i need help um and i and i got so many of those messages that i ended up it was like a simple change in my Instagram bio. I said, I used to say like, I help women get through heartbreak. And now I just say, I help people get through heartbreak. And it was such a drastic change. And I think all of a sudden men felt really welcomed. And I started seeing all of these messages and emails from men. And what I realized is there's really no difference in how they experience breakups. I think the only difference is societally men don't feel as safe sharing their breakup feelings with their friends or they don't feel like they can cry they don't, there's not as many resources for men as there are for women but the feelings are the same i think and i always i say this like across the board with breakups cuz people will say does your advice differ based on how like the circumstances of a breakup and tip, and really it doesn't because I just think that if we look under all of the circumstances, breakups bring the same feelings. Um, and I think it's so important to focus on the feelings versus the circumstances or um, the, you know, the, the gender or whatever, you know, kind of other characteristics are part of the breakup. So, okay. So the same goes for sexual orientation, all those things. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's a human experience. It's a human experience. Yeah. I always say like I could line up a thousand people going through breakups and they could tell me a thousand different stories. But if I just took tally of the feelings that they, that they say that they are experiencing, it would be like under 15. Wow. Wow. And how, how many messages are you getting like hundreds, thousands of messages a week from people? Are you constantly hearing people's stories and are you still surprised by what you hear from people or? Um, I, I do get, you know, I get dozens a day. Um, I, you know, I think I've really had to um, put up some of my personal boundaries in terms of messages. I used to reply to every single message that I got. And now I just don't have, you know, the resources or the capacity to do that. But I will say it's pretty rare that I'm surprised by a message. Um, and I, you know, I always say like, 
I always say it's like kind of a dangerous thing to believe that your breakup situation is different um, because I think when you think your situation is different, you don't think that people can help you and you don't think people can relate to you. And so I always try to say like, it's very rare that we have unique experiences when it comes to breakups. And I say that not to like invalidate people's experiences. I say it so they can open themselves up and realize like, okay, even though my best friend's married, they have been through a heartbreak before and they remember what it feels like. We all remember what it feels like. So I encourage like, even if someone's in a relationship and they're your friend, you can go to them and ask for their advice or you can have them listen to you. So I think it's really important that people don't think that their situation is super unique. Right. Okay. So helping people to feel they're not alone. Yes. That's a huge goal of my entire platform is making sure people know that they're not alone in their heartbreak. Fantastic. One of the things I love, I was looking at your blog and you've got some really great content there. And, and two of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in are music and movies and the power of those to help us feel and move through things in life or gain insight. Um, uh, I was wondering, um, you know, for instance, when I went through a breakup after an 11 year relationship, a friend sent me a song. It was a Coldplay song, The Scientist. Oh, and, yeah. And that was like so powerful to help me grieve and, you know, reflect on how I was feeling. What, what have you seen as the power of music for helping us to, to move through these challenging moments? That Coldplay song is on my cry playlist. So is that it? is okay. very, yeah. uh, that's like a, I, I can like feel my past breakups in that song. Um I mean, music is so powerful. It's like, like there, there's so much, can, you know, there's so many songs that you can listen to and remember who you were with and what the experience was when you were hearing it. And um, I mean, music can put feelings into words that you didn't even know you had. So I just think music is, is so important. Um, I always had a really hard time crying I always felt very embarrassed by it and so I used to like really bottle up tears and then they would come out at very I always joke like inopportune moments because I didn't have like a regular practice of doing it so for me I created and this was like you know almost 10 years ago I created a cry playlist of songs that really evoked feelings for me and I would get in my car and I would feel very safe and in my bubble and I would cry. And so that was really where it started. Um, and then as time has gone on, I realized like music can really, I think, you know, music can really validate feelings that we have and be a really great outlet to get those feelings out. I think a big part of breakups is, is validating your feelings and having an outlet for them. So I have four different breakup playlists now. I have the cry one to help people really get into that state of knowing it's okay to cry and it's okay to get those feelings out. I have a um, like an anger one, which I think is also really important. I think anger is a really un, like underrated emotion that is okay to feel during a breakup. And then I have a really empowering one called moving on of that feeling of, and we can listen to that even if we haven't moved on, but just give, that can give us the hope. Like at some point I will believe these lyrics as, as they're being said. And then later on, people said, I really want some upbeat music that doesn't have anything to do with love. Like I want some pump up music that doesn't talk about love. So I made a playlist of um, happy non-love songs, which actually proved to be much harder than, than I thought. So, um, so I think that's important too. I always say with like, be really mindful of the content you consume when you're going through a breakup. Um, it's not the time to watch the notebook. Um, it's not the time to, you know, look at like really sappy things. It's, um, it's not the time to like scroll through social media. If you have a bunch of friends that just got engaged, like it's really important to be mindful of what you're consuming, um, because you're already thinking about your ex a lot throughout the day. So it's important to have some things that you can get lost in that won't remind you of your ex. Right. There's a question I really wanted to ask you that that reminded me of distractions, healthy distractions, because you talk about, um, you know, there's this idea that we, that we shouldn't be distracting ourselves, that we, we should be sitting with our emotions all the time, but 
I, I've found this too. I used to think that was true. And then I realized, oh, there's, there's a certain relief that that provides for me emotionally to be able to focus my mind on something else for a while and come back to processing a little later. Can you talk about some of the, the, the misunderstandings about distractions and how we can find healthy distractions? Yeah. I mean, I always say distractions get a bad rap. Uh, they, I think we, I think as a society, we're like moving into this space of healing is good and therapy is great. And, and I think that's like a great direction we're moving in. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if we think about it this way, like our brain even has built in mechanisms to shield us from really intense feelings and really intense trauma, um, so even our like body kind of knows how to do that of like compartmentalizing these really intense things. So I think, I think it's really healthy and really important to do that in the beginning of a breakup, your feelings are too big and you don't, like we talked about, you don't have the perspective to fully be able to process them. Um, I, I use the example of, I did EMDR therapy, which is a form of trauma therapy. And I, I was sitting down with my therapist and she said, and I wanted to like get to the, the big trauma thing right away. And she said, we do not handle things when they're at a 10. We have to wait till they come down to like, a four or a five before we really dive into them. Otherwise it's entirely overwhelming and we can't, we can't really process it. So I always love that example. Um, so distractions are a great way to, um, to wait for those feelings to get a little less intense. And it's a great way, like I said, if we're spending like 85% of our waking hours thinking about our ex, um, distractions are a great, great way to get like 10 minutes, 30 minutes, even like a couple hours without thinking about your ex. So, I mean, healthy distractions can be, I like hanging out with friends, I think is really important. Um, even if I get the question of, I got invited to my friend's dinner, but I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Should I not go? And I think our mind tells us that we want to isolate when we're going through a breakup because we just feel like a rain cloud a walking rain cloud. Um, but it's really important to, to do those kind of things. And I promise once you get there, like you'll talk to your friends, you'll get more into the swing of things. Um, I love telling people to like try new things. I, I say we get breakup guts. That's why people like radically change their hair or, you know, go to, um, to Asia for an eat, pray, love trip. Like we do get these breakup guts. So if you've always wanted to try, I don't know, skydiving, like go do that. I think that's like a really healthy thing. And it doesn't have to be anything that intense, but um, a lot of people will like take up art classes or take up music lessons that they've always wanted to do. That's a great thing that you're doing for yourself. Um, and sometimes like a healthy distraction can be like logging onto TikTok and watching funny videos for 15 minutes to help get you out of your head. So it can be something as big as, you know, taking on a new hobby and it can be as little as mindlessly scrolling something that's going to make you laugh. Okay. So what you're saying is that early, early in the breakup process, when things are at a 10 or eight, nine, uh, it's the best thing to do is just distract ourselves in healthy ways, keep some space. Once we've created that distance, then we can start diving into those feelings and processing more deeply. Yeah. I don't really think you're going to learn like the lesson from the breakup, you're not going to learn it in the beginning. Um, because I just find that when people are in the beginning of a breakup, they're far more likely to blame the entire thing on themselves. They're far more likely to be really, really negative towards themselves. Um, and they, they, and that's just the nature of what, what you're going through. And I also just think that when our emotions are so intense, our thinking's just not the clearest. Um, so I think it's, it's just takes some time to really dig into that kind of stuff. I think you can have an outlet for your feelings. I'm a huge fan of journaling. Um, it's great to talk to your friends about what you're feeling, but I think in terms of like the really intense processing, I don't think that should happen right away. One of the intense emotions that you highlight is anger. And you write this, you write, anger is an emotion that unfortunately can be seen as negative or unproductive. The reality is that it's normal to feel angry after a breakup. And you go on to say, anger is actually a vital emotion to experience when recovering from a breakup. Kendra, can you tell us a little bit more about the reasons anger might be there after a breakup and how we can deal with anger in healthy ways? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I would say I had a really like unhealthy relationship with anger for most of my life. I thought it was, I thought it was a really bad emotion to have and you shouldn't be angry at people and you should have perspective and see the good in people, which is all, you know, fine and true. You don't want to walk around being an angry person. Um, but I think it's really, I think everyone's going to have some form of anger after a breakup. Um, sometimes it doesn't come right away. Sometimes it takes time and it, you might not even be mad at your ex. I think a lot of people are mad at their ex. I think a lot of people just are mad at the situation. Like, how did I get here? Why is, why me? Why am I going through this? Um, and then a lot of people, I think most people end up really mad at themselves for one reason or another. And I don't think we acknowledge anger that we have towards ourselves. So, um, I mean, it, you can be angry at your ex's mom. Cause she made a comment about how, you know, she didn't like you or there like anger can fall in so many different ways. Um, but I do think, I think it's an important thing to at least validate, um, and have like an, like a healthy outlet for it. I think unrecognized anger, um, can either really like move with you into future relationships and, I think a big issue that a lot of people have is having their ex up on a pedestal and they'll say like, my ex was perfect. There was nothing wrong with them. I'm never going to find someone as great as this person. And sometimes you have to, um, consciously look at like your ex is a human, no one's perfect. And so sometimes getting mad at your ex can be the thing that knocks them down off the pedestal and makes you realize like, yeah, they were a good person. We had really great memories together, but there are other people out there like them. Right. Section or part three of the book is healing and rebuilding. And you kind of, you say these are kind of, they're part of the same process, but two separate processes. What happens if we skip too quickly over the healing and try and move on too quickly? What are some of the pitfalls you've seen around that? So, yeah, I, I actually think that this is one of the most important parts of, of breakups is, um, is taking the time there's, you know, there's like the really intense overwhelm. And then there's a time when we, like we mentioned where you do get that space and you do get that time and you do have the ability to see things objectively. A lot of times people don't pause in that and they don't take the time to be like, okay, what happened in this relationship? Um, I'm noticing that this is the third, I'll use my example. This is the third emotionally unavailable person that I have been with. Um, what did I like about my ex? What did I not like about my ex? What did I like about myself in the relationship? And was there anything that this relationship brought out in me that I didn't like? Those are really important questions to ask. Is this a relationship indicative of some kind of pattern that I have in my life? Um, I think if we don't take the time to do that, we end up, I call it like be, dating the same person over and over again with a different name kind of a thing where you just end up in the exact same thing. Or we go to the other side where you end up with the exact opposite of your ex because you're like, I don't want to feel that again. So I must just need to go to the exact opposite. But the truth is, of course, you loved things about your ex. You were with them for a period of time. So it's important to acknowledge the good and take the good with you. And then it's important to learn from the ne like the stuff you didn't like and be aware of that when you start, you know, dating again. So I think it's you either you just end up with the person that you don't really want to be with be if you don't take the time to to reflect. Right. In section four of the book, moving on in your journey, you have this survey, are you ready to start dating again? Can you just talk a little bit about how we can get a sense of whether we're actually ready or not to start getting into the dating field? Yeah. So, I mean, I like to preface this by saying, I, I don't believe you need to be a hundred percent over your ex to start dating again. I actually think the final part of healing from a breakup does happen when you get out there and start meeting new people. Because sometimes I'll say like, we kind of heal in our little cave and then we kind of need to go out and go into the laboratory and test some things to see like, did that work? Like, does this still bother me? So I think we do need to get out there. Um, I like to say you're dating because 
you want to add value to your life, not because it's a need to get rid of the pain that you have. Dating should never be used as a substitution for any of like the healing practices that you've done. Um, that's a big one. If the, I think if you log on to, let's say a dating app and you just scroll through everyone and automatically your first thought is there's no one here like my ex. I'm never going to find someone. That's a sign like pause too early, you know, cause like I promise there's, there's people you'll see on there that you could potentially connect with. Um, and I think the other, the other test that I like to tell people is imagine your first date going incredibly poorly. <laughs> um, how does that make you feel? If that makes you feel like you're doomed and like your dating life is over, it's too soon. Cause first dates are, can be very awkward and like not great. And you're going to have to go through some bad first dates. Um, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't set you back like super significantly. And I also tell people like, it's normal to come out of your first date thinking about your ex. And it's also normal to feel um, like you're cheating the first time you, you kiss someone new. Like those are all really normal emotions to feel. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, can you, are you dating out of adding value to your life instead of um, taking away your pain? Right, okay. And I've got one more question as a follow-up to that before we get, I see we have lots of great audience questions coming in. So before we jump into that, this idea of knee pads, I really like this analogy yeah. use of knee pads. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, a question that I would often get is like, how can I approach dating in a way that I'm not super guarded? Like, I don't want to feel jaded from this breakup. I don't want to feel completely shut off and mistrusting of people. Um so I use this analogy of knee pads. So I love to rollerblade. It's like a thing that um, I do for, for exercise. And a few years ago, I fell really bad and like totally tore open my knee. Um, and, you know, if we use this example, like I didn't decide that I was never going to rollerblade again. And I also didn't decide that I was going to rollerblade in like a full body suit of armor. I decided to put on knee pads because that's where I was vulnerable to fall. And so it's the same thing with dating. You don't, you're not going to like never date again. And you also don't want to approach dating with like this huge brick building built around you. You want to acknowledge where have you been vulnerable in the past? Let's say you're someone we'll go back to the example of being emotionally unavailable. Um, if you're susceptible to people who are emotionally unavailable, it's more important for you to be more straightforward and ask them what they're looking to get out of dating. Um, that's an important question to ask early on in your dating experience. So that can be a knee pad for you. So understanding where you're vulnerable, um, where you've been hurt in the past, and then having those kind of knee pads set up. So you can go out um, and be appropriately protected instead of overly protected or just completely bowing out of the whole thing. Okay, cool. Melanie says, this is a question I wanted to ask you as well. Is the experience of breakup very different for the one who does the breaking up rather than the one who is broken up with? Um, no, I think the only difference is you've had a head start to start processing it um, where you, you knew the breakup was happening. So it wasn't a huge surprise for you. Um, and so the other person just has a little bit more of like a delay, but it's still normal to feel sadness, to feel anger, to feel grief. Um, I think a lot of people who ended the relationship don't believe that they have any right to grieve or to be sad because they're the ones that chose it, but that's not the case at all. What you'll find most of the time is um, when someone ended a relationship, they didn't want to, they were kind of, they were put in a position where they had to end it. Um, it's very, I think we have this thing in our heads that when someone ends the relationship, it's because they don't care about the person. Um, I think most of the time when someone ends a relationship, they love the person, but they, some, for one reason or another, like they just can't, you know, be in the relationship anymore. 
mind you, there are obviously exceptions to this rule of like someone who cheats or if there's like a huge betrayal. Um, but if it's just out of like incompatibility or you guys have grown apart, which I have found that that is the majority of why breakups happen. It's not some big explosive thing. It's really that two people grew apart and became incompatible in one way or another. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I hear all the time from people who, who had to end the relationship and they're, and they're devastated and they didn't want to have to end it, but they, they just felt like they had to. Um, so yeah, so I, I'd say if you're someone who ended the relationship, it's okay to grieve. And if you were someone who was broken up with, just know that it doesn't mean that the person who ended it didn't care about you or is not having any hard time going through the experience as well. Right. I, I've seen that's one of the things you talk about a lot is this idea that there's a big discrepancy between how I'm experiencing and processing this and seeing how my ex is moving on yeah. and how we can manage that. Hey? Yeah. There's a question here from somebody else who's also named Kendra. Oh, cool. I don't mean yeah. a lot of Kendras. Yeah. Kendra says, I have been ghosted three times in three different relationships. How can I have, how can I have a better judge of character? Also, how can I be prepared if this happens again in the future? Yeah. Ghosting is, um, I think unless it's happening because someone feels unsafe, it's like an entire, it's like just an incredibly cowardly act that someone does. Um, and it typically just means like they don't have the capacity to have difficult conversations. So I think, um, I don't want you to see this as a, as a way of like beating yourself up for, for not seeing, like not being a good judge of character. I would say that's something you can probably explore a little bit earlier on in like dating is how they do handle hard conversations. I don't know if you're someone who has a hard time bringing up, um, like, how do you, you know, how do you feel like this is going? Um, where do you see, where do you see this relationship going? Which I know can feel really difficult to, they can be difficult conversations to have, um, but it's so much better to get that judge earlier on. And I would assume if someone can handle those kinds of conversations, they're not going to end up ghosting you because they have better, they have the emotional capacity and maturity to have those conversations with you instead of just completely disappearing. Right. Okay. Thank you, Kendra. And thank you, Kendra. <laughs> um, there's a question from Jolie who says, I think my ex checked out months before the actual breakup and he was so mean for no reason at the end. I'm having a hard time letting go, even though I know it's best for me. What is your advice for a situation like that? Yeah, that's actually a very common experience is to have an ex turn cold or mean um, during the actual breakup. And it, it is not because that they don't care about you or, or I know a lot of people have that experience and they think, oh my gosh, my whole relationship was a lie. That must've been his, their true character is, is how it was at the breakup. When in reality it's, and I don't want to like um, write off bad behavior, but I do think it's really difficult to end a relationship with someone that you care about. I can speak personally, like the times I've had to end relationships, I wish I was on the other side. I remember saying, I wish they would just break up with me because I don't want to do this. Um, so sometimes people have to turn off their emotions and they have to put themselves in a place where they are cold in order to say the words, I don't want to be with you anymore. Um, and they have, they, they, they put themselves in that position to make it easier to end it. And sometimes people think it's easy, it's easier for both people if someone's mean about it, because that way it's just like done and over with, and there's no arguing and there's no, um, trying to reconcile. So, um, I would say as hard as it is to probably let go of that experience and let go of what they said to you at the end, um, don't focus on that. It's, it's okay to grieve the relationship, but don't hang on to what was said at the end, because that was, that was out of character. I'd say the person you were with for the relationship, that was the person you were with. Okay, thank you. There's a question here from Bree who says, is it normal to feel exhausted at the thought of dating again? 
It's been 16 months since my breakup and I have no interest in putting myself back out there. Yeah, it's really normal. I think especially now with how exhausting dating apps can feel and and all of that, it can feel like an extra job to be like looking for a partner. So yeah, it's it's completely normal. Um I I would ask yourself like I would some I would tell people like it's okay to try it. And if, if you have a terrible experience, like you can always stop and do it. But sometimes it's just that thing of like taking that first step and doing it. Um, I always tell people like, it's not, once you start dating, it's not like you're like permanently in this pool of needing to date. You can always exit and decide to, to try again later. So I might just take that first step and just see if maybe it's built up bigger in your head than it needs to be. Um, and then, and then see how you feel from there. Okay. And there's kind of a follow-up to that question. This one's from Dan who says, what advice do you have for people re-entering the dating world after a breakup? It seems to be a real jungle out there these days. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely hear the same. Um, I would actually, um, I have a podcast episode with Logan Yuri, who's um, like the chief relationship person at Hinge. And she has a lot of great advice for, um, for dating and how to get the most out of dating apps and kind of the, you know, those kind of things. I'd say with dating, to approach it as the perspective of being excited to meet new people, not with the thing of like, I have to find the person I'm going to marry. That I, so I think just adjusting expectations and seeing it as like, okay, what kind of like cool people can I meet? What can I learn about in these conversations? Like I'm going to have a meal with, or a coffee or a walk with like a new person and I'm excited to meet them instead of like having this really intense objective to find your person. Um, I, I think if you can adjust your expectations of it, you're going to have a much better experience with it. That sounds like good advice for me. I, I've seen how it, you can get so serious about trying to find the right person that it, it, like you said, it makes it so intense and heavy. Whereas if you can find a way to lighten it and lower the importance. Yeah. Yeah. I think as it, adjusting expectations is probably the, the best piece of advice that, that I, and like, also when you're coming out of a breakup, like dating, I always call it like, it's a fun, like kind of practice laboratory. Like you can kind of practice like having new, um, like if, if you're someone who had a hard time, like asking questions, like try it out. Like it's someone that you, you may, you don't have to ever see this person again. So you can try it out. If you're someone who would be really guarded on, you know, first dates, like try being more yourself. Um, so I think like you can use it as kind of a practice lab for like all the new skills that you've picked up since your breakup. Nice. I like that. Um, there's a question here. I think this is from Jackie, and I think it's a follow-up to something you said earlier in response to another question. Jackie's wondering, what does it mean to be incompatible in relationship? Yeah. Um, so incompatibility, I do think that's the the probably the root cause of most breakups. And it is, it's such a broad thing. Um I did a um I did a podcast episode on this specifically but it can be anything from the values that you share with that person so for example like if I was in a relationship before getting sober and then I got sober that was like a really big change that I went through um and so it would be pretty likely that the person that I was with I would no longer be compatible with them because I've gone through this like huge significant life change I mean I like to see it as like when you're in a relationship you're on a path, your partner's on a path, you guys are both growing individually and hopefully growing together. But a lot of times, like one person grows this way and another person grows this way. So it can be ambition levels, values. Um, it can simply be like interests or one person like realizes that they they love traveling and the other person does. So it can just be things that we don't know about the person until we've been with them for a long time. And then sometimes people just grow in one direction and the, the person doesn't grow with them in that way. So incompatibilities can be really anything that just changes within the relationship. 
Do you ever talk to people who have been married for many years, maybe have kids together and it, they still love each other and they really don't want to go separate ways and that incompatibility is there. Is there ever ways do you think for them to, to find a way to become compatible again? Yes. And I will, yeah, that's a, I'm really glad you asked that because people will say like, I think both people have to want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I think, um, I'm all for couples staying together, especially like if you're married and have kids, like I want people to stay together. And I think if there's any possible way to do that, but what I think a lot of the times in these particular situations, one person has decided like they no longer want to be in the relationship. So I think if both people are committed to making the relationship work, I think they can go to couples therapy. Like they can try bringing, you know, like communicating a lot more around this topic Um, so I'm more talking about when it's like one person has decided that they don't want to be in the relationship anymore. Right. Okay. I think we've got time for one more question. Um, there's one here. I think this is such an important question and I know you have a lot of different ways to respond to this. This is from Alex who says, how do I reroute when the desire to contact my ex is very strong? Other than CBT type exercises, what is a deeper way to change this urge? Yeah, I mean, so I like to share this story because this was like the biggest insight that I had with um, not contacting an ex the last breakup I went through. But I happened to go through a breakup two weeks before my ex's birthday. And I really wanted to, to wish him happy birthday, like more than anything, I wanted to maybe that could be a seed to, to get back together, start talking and to reconcile. And, um, I had a friend, I was asking, I was doing that thing where you ask all your friends and you're hoping one person tells you it's an okay idea. Um, so I was doing that and I was trying to get someone to tell me it was a good idea. And I had a friend say, um, Kendra, what's, what's like the only response that would make you feel good about the fact that you sent that message. And I said, and I thought about it and I said, Yeah, it would probably be like, I miss you so much. I've been thinking about you. I think I made a terrible mistake. Like that's like the only response I'd be happy with. And then he asked me, what do you think he will reply with? And I thought about it and I realized it was thanks or nothing. Like there's a chance there would be no response. And how would I feel then? I would be completely crushed. So I think having the realization that the expectation that you have of what they're going to say back to you versus what they're actually going to say back to you are almost never going to be the same. And it's always, it's almost always going to leave you feeling incredibly disappointed. Um, it's probably going to leave you feeling slightly like ashamed and embarrassed. Um, it's going to, it's just, it's going to bring up a lot of different things. And even if you guys were to talk, um, you're still going to have to deal with the fallout of the fact that you guys are broken up. So I, I hear all the time, it's like my ex and I caught up on the phone. It was so great, the entire conversation. And then I got off the phone and sobbed because I had to realize again that we were broken up. Um, so I think having that that insight of it's just not going to help um, is, is gonna be like really helpful. Um, I think a big tool too is telling yourself that you can reach out to them in 24 hours and writing down what you want to say to them in the moment. And then 24 hours later, reading what you planned on sending and realizing like, probably wasn't a good idea. It's very rare that like in 24 hours, someone still wants to reach out. So doing that kind of a thing can also help. Um, And I think it's really important to have an outlet to write down things that you want to say to your ex. So you can, I always tell this to people, but like you can change your contact in your phone, like your personal number to whatever you want. So you could change your own number to X and just text yourself. Um, that can be helpful too. I, it's, it's normal to want to reach out to them. And I think it's important to have an outlet to do it. So there's no shame in wanting to, um, but, and sometimes if there's a big shame and guilt of wanting to reach out, you're going to be more likely to reach out because there's shame and guilt around it. Um, so just knowing it's okay, it's normal. Um, and to write that out and realize that the expectations are just not going to be met. Right. Okay. Thanks everybody for your great questions. And I want to just share with you, Kendra, there's a really nice comment here from Kelly who says, I've been following Kendra on Instagram since my breakup last February, and she has been instrumental in my healing journey. 
The most important thing I've learned is not to think my ex wants me back when he messages me with something random. Thank you so much, Kendra, for doing what you do. I'm so grateful for you and your resources. Wow. Thank you, Kelly. That's so nice. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. And uh, just a reminder, everyone, that Kendra Allen, who we've been speaking with this evening, has this new book out, The Breakup Workbook, Exercises and Advice to Help You Heal from Your Heartbreak and Create Your Best Life. And in the little heart here, it says, you will be okay. You will. I promise. Kendra, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us tonight and for all the wonderful work that you're doing. I just wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for Branches of Wisdom, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound, Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970. Our podcast producer is Jacob Steele. The show is edited by Abdo Habani. And I'm your host, Ross McKeechee. Watch all our conversations on YouTube by searching for Banyan Books or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews and comments. We love to hear from you. For all our live events, books, and more, visit us at banyan.com.